up your Bible tonight to two places. First place, uh, to Jeremiah the prophet, uh, chapter number 36. And then I'm going to have you stick your finger tonight into 1 Timothy uh, chapter number 3. I'm going to read a passage tonight out of Jeremiah. Many of you uh, probably have read it if you've read through the Bible or you've attempted to, but it's an obscure passage. It's not one that most people would quote or memorize, but it will actually uh, make what I'm going to convey tonight come alive. Tonight I'm starting a brand new series entitled A Firm Foundation. And as we're getting into the new year and we're looking at habits and things to better our lives as we talked about last week, there are several things over the next few weeks that we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about fasting. We're going to talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, tonight, we're going to talk about the whole counsel of the, of the Word of God and how to get the most out of your Scripture time and your study and what God's Word has to say about that. So it'll be a blessing to you. Jeremiah chapter 36, so let's look at verse 20. These notes are in your app tonight if you want to read those later. Jeremiah 36, 20, verse through verse 24, reads like this. It says, And they went to the king into the court, but they stored the scroll in the chamber of Elisha the scribe, and they told all the words in the hearing of the king. So the king sent Jehudah to bring the scroll, and he took it to Elisha the scribe's chamber, and Jehudah read it in the hearing of the king and in the hearing of all the princes who stood beside the king. And now the king was sitting in the winter house. I wonder how cold it was. He was sitting in his winter house in the ninth month with the fire burning and the hearth before him. And it happened that when Jehudah had read three or four columns that the king cut it with the scribe's knife and cast it into the fire that was on the hearth until all of the scroll was consumed in the fire that was on the hearth. Yet they were not afraid, nor did they tear their garments uh, the king nor any of his servants who heard all of these words. So I'm going to give you some background on that in a moment. But let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, uh, verse 10 through 17. This passage will be a little bit more familiar uh, to many of you. It's Paul's words to Timothy, young pastor at Ephesus and his spiritual son. Here's what he says. He says, but you have carefully followed my doctrine, my manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and Lystra, what persecutions I have endured. And out of all of them, the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Stop right there. Paul's trying to tell Timothy, his spiritual son, that son, listen to me, the ministry is not going to be a bed of roses. Uh, Paul said, you know, a servant, or Jesus said, rather, a servant is not greater than his master. And he said, look, I've went through it. I've been, uh, you know, Jesus was persecuted. And Paul goes to talk about what all he's gone through. And he says, all who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. How many of you know that's not one of those promises people like to put on the refrigerator and claim? Amen? But it is a promise. He said, if you really live godly in Christ Jesus, you'll suffer persecution. It almost makes you think that if you're not ever being persecuted, are you really living for Jesus? It's just an inferred question, so think about it tonight. Uh, here we go, a little bit further. Verse 13, but evil men um, and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you, everybody say, but you. 
But you must continue in the things which you have learned and you've been assured of, uh, knowing from whom that you've learned them. And from your childhood, you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Then verse 16 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete thoroughly equipped for every work. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. And we ask you to speak to our hearts and just give us clarity. And I pray that you give us an ear to hear exactly what your spirit wants us to hear tonight. Lord, produce a hunger in this place for your word. In Christ's name, amen. Uh, As I mentioned a moment ago, the title of tonight's message is The Whole Counsel of God. The whole counsel of God. You know, as we're looking at, you know, going through the new year and all of those things, there are a lot of things that are important for us to establish in our lives or to strengthen uh, if they have not been strengthened already. Several of you, I'm sure, have already made some type of um, commitment to read the Bible, maybe not through all the way through the year, but maybe through a specific plan or something like that. And that's great. That's good. Um, But tonight, I want you to have a plan of success so that you, in your journey of faith, can really get all that you need out of God's Word tonight. I believe we need the Word of God now more than ever. Amen? So, you know, as we're looking at this, uh, we need to look at how important the Word of God is for us. Folks, I believe tonight that the Bible, the Scripture, the 66 books contained that were written by men of old, breathed upon by the Holy Spirit, I believe the Bible is important for you and I for everyday life. I'm just a little bit um, careful on how I say this tonight, but it's alarming statistically at the amount of people today in the world who proclaim Christianity, in other words, if they were to get a survey that says, check what religion you are, and they, they would say Christian or, or, or Buddhist or whatever or, or none, that the, those who check Christian, their Bible knowledge, according to George Barna, one of the statisticians who does a lot of research in all areas of Christianity, he said that the amount of Bible knowledge her people today is at the lowest that it's ever been. Tonight, I want to tell you that I believe that that does not have to be so. Amen? I believe that tonight, you and I can get everything that we need to have tools to actually be able to know God in His fullness. Why do we need to know the Word of God? Because God's Word, listen to me, God's Word is God's revealed will. And in God's revealed will, it reveals his character, reveals his nature, it reveals his likeness. And so every time we get up to the Bible and we begin to read the word of God, that is God-breathed, inspired, meant to reveal to us God's plan for humanity. And I want to tell you, there's a story in the Old Testament by a man named Job. Anybody remember him? Job uh, (laughs) had it right. He said, a man that is born of a woman is but of a few days and full of trouble. I mean, Job just had trouble after trouble after trouble. Uh, You know, my son, he's getting older, and he had a funny joke the other day. He said, Dad, he said, why was was the devil mad at Job? And I said, I don't know. What do you mean? He said, well, he took everything but his wife. And uh, he said, she must have been a doozy. 
uh, you know, <laughs> and then Job, uh, you know, is stuck with his wife, and she's like, curse God and die, and, and all of these things. But you know what the Bible says is interesting about Job? The Bible says in all this, Job never sinned against God with his lips, and he never cursed God. He questioned things. Sure, he did. We question things. It's not wrong to question God. God just pulled a chair right up beside Job and said, Job, you want to ask questions? All right, bud, you ready to listen? I got an answer. Where were you when I established the borders of the world? Where were you when I flung the stars into the sky and told them to stay there? And, and, and all of those things, Job, even though he had went through a lot, Job still had a desire to serve God. And there's a scripture in Job 23, verse 12, that is awesome. And it speaks of the righteous character of Job. Are you ready for it? Here it goes. Job 23, 12. Look at this. He says, I have not departed from the commandments of his lips, and I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. I want you to think about that tonight. Job said, in the middle, and, and by the way, this, this chapter right here, this is in the middle of the struggle. Job says, I've not departed from the commandments of his lips, and I've treasured the word of God more than my necessary food. I have a question for you tonight. What's your hunger level concerning the word of God? Job's hunger level was this. I would rather hear from heaven than eat my next meal. Man, as Christians, you and I ought to have a desire to hear from God. Yes, the Holy Spirit abides and He speaks in us, but one of the ways the Holy Spirit speaks to us is through the Word of God. And you and I have it right here. If we don't have a Bible, we have access to digital Bibles and all different types of uh, things that in times past would be difficult to get your hands upon. But today, my friend, we have no excuse whatsoever to be biblically illiterate. We've got Bibles in multiplicities of translations and uh, various different reading levels and those types of things. And, and you and I, I believe, if we're going to go to the place that God wants us to go in this new year, we're going to have to have a desire for the Word of God. Really, like, we should, like, like it's our necessary food. More than we want air, more than we want water, I want to hear from heaven. Um, I don't know about you, but in 2022, I, I want to hear from heaven. I want to hear what God has to say in my life. Now, unfortunately, there's a lot of people who don't like the Bible because they don't want to hear what God has to say to them. Because knowledge, listen, uh, knowledge, whenever you know something, then you become accountable for what you know. And that's what brings us into our passage tonight in Jeremiah chapter 36, verse 20, an obscure passage. The prophet Jeremiah was not a popular prophet. He did not win prophet of the year award. Uh, in fact, he would have been the guy that they were throwing tomatoes at. Nobody liked him. In fact, Jeremiah struggled with discouragement. He wanted to give up. Read the book of Lamentations. It's the book after Jeremiah. Lamentation means weeping because he was a crying prophet. God told him, Jeremiah, don't even look at their faces, man. Uh, listen, that's a word for a lot of people because when you look at the faces of the crowd, you will get discouraged. Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. You don't believe me? Let's swap places for 30 minutes. You'll get what I'm saying. He said, listen, don't look at their faces. And Jeremiah said, you know what? God, you deceive me. He said, I don't want to do any of this. I don't even want to call or mention on your name. And he said, I just want to lay it all down. But what did Jeremiah say? He said, I can't. Because the call of God 
is burning up on the inside of me, and it's like a fire that's shut up in my bones. God, through the power of the Holy Spirit in Jeremiah's life, would not let him quit. But Jeremiah's job was to to deliver the word of the Lord. And in those days, God spoke through the prophets. And oftentimes, those prophets would have to deliver messages to the king. Everybody say the king. I'm about to mess up somebody's theology tonight. There are a lot of people that say, Pastor, religion and politics shouldn't mix. But you know, in the Bible, God sure did use those prophets to deliver messages to those kings. And I believe if God can use a prophet to deliver a message to a king, he can use a pastor or an evangelist or or something of that nature to deliver a message to a president. Come on, somebody. But God's word stands. And so Jeremiah goes, and here's what happens is he delivers the word. And in those days, they did not have these nice, wonderful bound Bibles like we have today, right? They didn't. What did they have? They had a scroll. Everybody say a scroll. They had a scroll. It was parchment paper, and they would write on those parchment papers. And what they would do is they would write them, and they would pass them around. Uh, many times they did not have a bunch of copies. And what they would do is they would uh, get that information together and they would distribute that to where it was. Well, God, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, gave a message to the people and it was delivered to the king. I want you to look at this with me. Jeremiah 36, verse 20. Don't get distracted, guys. They're just kids. Uh, just listen to me. Jeremiah 36, 20. Notice this. Uh, it says... That when they went into the king, into the court, they stored the scroll in the chamber of Elisha the scribe, and they told all the words in the hearing of the king. And so the king sent Jehudai to bring the scroll, and he took it to, uh, from Elisha the scribe's chamber, and Jehudai read it in the hearing of the king. So notice this servant goes, and he reads it in the hearing of the king, and the king is in his house. It's wintertime. There's a fire burning. I just imagine his feet are out. He is having a good old time, and here this servant comes and reads this letter from Jeremiah. And I don't know if you read Jeremiah's stuff, but it wasn't like peaches and roses. It was turn or burn, baby. It was repent, you sinners full of idolatry. And and anyway, so what happened was, was as the king was hearing these things, here's what he did. He took out a, a, a knife. He began to cut out the pages of the word. And as he would read a column or two or three or four, the scripture says he would take it and he would throw it into the fire. Why is that significant tonight? That's very significant because of this. There are a lot of people who do not want to hear what God has to say. They don't want to hear the word of God. In other words, here's what he said. He said, let's cut this out because I don't want to hear it. Now, let me be honest with you tonight. While it may not be that drastic in today's culture, we really deal with the same thing because it's bad enough that we had wicked kings in the Bible, come on, that won't, that won't listen to the Word of God. But you've got pastors who are afraid to preach the Word of God because of what people may think. They, they don't want to preach the Word of God because it may run off somebody or it may stir up something in, in their congregation. And so they may not rip out the Bible. They just simply refuse to acknowledge it. And here's what I want to tell you tonight. The Word of God is not a buffet. 
I've lost some weight, but I used to be a pretty big boy. One of the things that I used to love, my mom used to manage a steakhouse. And that steakhouse had a salad, big salad bar and a hot food bar. It was a western sizzling. I don't know if they have those up here anywhere. There's one in the city, I think, still. But um, anyway, and so... Uh, with my mom's discount as a worker, uh, we would get meals and stuff. And I mean, I would love that because the beauty of a buffet is you can pick what you want and you can leave behind what you don't. And that's what a lot of people do when it comes to the Word of God. They say, well, I like the blessing part, but I don't like the obedience part. Or I like the heaven part, but I don't like the, if you're not careful, you're going to be chastised part. And so, What I'm endeavoring to do tonight as we begin to look at this in detail is to tell you that we have to take hold of the whole counsel of God's Word. The treasury house of Scripture covers all types of things. And I love what Paul told Timothy, and that's what I want to look at. We're not going to read all of this again, but I want you to look at verse 14 with me of 1 Timothy 3. Here's what verse 14 says. He says, But you must continue in the things which you have learned And you've been assured of, uh, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from the childhood you have have known the holy scriptures, which have made you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Everybody say all scripture. So all means not just the parts we like. Not just the parts that agree with our lifestyle, right? Right? But all of Scripture is given by the inspiration of God, and it is profitable for what? For doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for the instruction of righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So in Jeremiah 36, we have one instance where the Word of God is being disregarded because they don't want to hear it. Then you have Paul telling Timothy, the young pastor, that, you know, thank God for your upbringing. And uh, Scripture tells us in an earlier place, it names his mother and his grandmother who passed on the faith down to them. Thank God for godly uh, women and grandmothers. I have to be honest with you, I've often wondered why the grandpa and the daddy wasn't mentioned. Amen. Maybe that's not just a problem in modern day. But uh, the truth is, thank God that they saw fit to pour into Timothy. Now Timothy's uh, tasked by God to lead a group of people. And Paul tells him, he says, man, you need to take hold of what you've learned. Don't forget it. And he tells him, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And so tonight, as we look at this, there are three things that as we get into the new year that I think that are beneficial for us concerning God's Word. I know most people normally do one or, or two of these things, usually not three. Hopefully, those of you that are in this room, you do all three of these. But if not, I want to give you some background on each one of these so that you can approach this the right way. The first one is, number one, we should read the Word of God. We should read the Word of God. Now, I'm going to make a distinction because in a moment, I'm going to talk about studying the Word of God. But right now, we need to read the Word of God. Here's a scripture that I want to give you. Romans chapter 15 verse 4 says this. It says, for whatever things were written before were written for our what? Learning. So that through the patience and comfort of scriptures, we might have hope. Stand right there. So Paul's telling the church at Rome, he said, the scriptures that were written about things that have happened were written for our learning. 
When we read the Bible and we read about David, we read about Goliath, we read about uh, the prophets, and we read about the apostles and what they did for Christ, uh, they were written for our learning so that through patience and comfort we can have hope. So listen, the scripture, when we read the Bible and we look at what God has shown us, it gives us hope in our hearts. But not just hope. Paul also writes to another place right here to the church at Rome. And look what he says here in Romans 10, 17. He says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10, 17. And so that's what I want you to see. Romans uh, 15 tells us that uh, hope comes from the scripture. But also Romans 10 tells us that faith comes from the scripture. Folks, you and I have a letter from God that he has given by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that he wants you and I to enjoy and to read. You know, a lot of people read the Bible just simply to study the Bible, but I want to give you a little bit of a nugget tonight and maybe a little bit of a different perspective. I want to challenge you in this new year not to read the Bible to study the Bible, but to read the Bible to know God. Read the Bible to know God. What does that look like? That means just sitting down at your coffee table or in your recliner chair or sitting in your car driving, listening to the audio Bible, and you're not listening to study. You're not listening to try to get ready for a small group or a class or something like that. But you're seriously just listening to God's Word to get to know God. I'll tell you, it's great. And as we get to a place of reading God's Word, we need to read God's Word systematically. What does that mean? It means we need a plan. We need a plan. In other words, reading God's Word doesn't need to be something that's an afterthought or if I get around to it or something of that nature, but it needs to be systematic. In other words, there needs to be a plan, whether it's in the morning or in your lunch break or whatever time it may be. But you need to have a plan of systematic time to sit down and study Daily, somebody said daily, oh yeah. There's not one of us in this room who miss a meal on purpose unless we're fasting, right? In fact, our dinner bell goes off internally. Uh, Some some of my old country folks, they only eat one solid meal a day, so you get hungry at least once a day. But guys like me, oh, we get hungry like three or four times a day. Starts talking to us. Breakfast time, lunch time, dinner time, hungry. And yet, how come people who say they love Christ and are Christians, how can they survive spiritually by not consistently reading the Word of God? I'm concerned that a lot of people, the bulk majority in today's Christian circles, the majority of Bible reading that they get is on Sunday morning and on Wednesday night. Church, we've got to have a relationship with God ourselves. Amen? We've got to study the Word of God. Why? Because we've got to get the thought and the flow of the Scripture. Here's what I need you to hear. We should read it as it was written, and we should hear it as it was meant to be received. Can I tell you something? This is going to blow your mind. It's simple. I know we like to write Scriptures out and put them on post notes and put them all over our mirrors and stuff, but you know that's not how the Bible was written. And that's not how the Bible was meant to be received. A lot of these were letters that were given to people. 
So you think of some, some, some bishop or some superintendent. Let's just give an example. The, the general superintendent of the Assemblies of God or something like that decided, you know what, I want to write Woodward First Assembly a letter. And it's a great letter. I mean, in detail, sharing heart, sharing correction, sharing, you know, prophetic things or whatever it might be. And say it was 10 chapters. Um, how many of you know if you never read that before and you just open up that 10-chapter book to the middle of it, to chapter 5, and you just pulled out three sentences, uh, how many of you know you would not get the whole idea? Right? None of us would read a love letter from our spouse that way, but a lot of people approach the Bible that way. Um, there were things that were very, very, very popular when I was coming up. I haven't seen a lot of them, but I know they're still there. Everything's went digital. But they were God's promises, promise books. And they're great for picking out little subject matter things. Problem is, 80% of those are out of context. You really don't even want me to get down the trail of Jeremiah 29, 11. That's on every graduation card. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, to prosper you and not to harm you. And it's great inspiration for when you're graduating college, but really it's about the sinfulness of Israel who are backslidden and they got their tails whooped and they're in captivity and God's saying, I got a better life for you, bud. Y'all are in prison and you've wasted it, but man, I've got dreams for you outside of this. It still applies, but you don't get the meaning of what it means. That's why it's important to before we start trying to nitpick the Bible and to study these themes of the Bible, it's important for us to read the Bible in a fashion that it was intended as a letter. And hear what Paul was trying to say to the churches. See what Jesus was trying to deliver. And in doing so, what happens when we read the Word of God as it was meant to be received and hear it as it was meant to be heard, we're less likely to get into heresy and error by taking things out of context as they weren't meant to be written. Uh, here's the second thing tonight. So we talked about uh, reading the Word, but here's the second thing. We, we do need to study the Word. Absolutely, we do need to study the Word. It's important. I'm not saying one is above the other per se. I'm just thinking one should come before the other. Second one is we should study the Word. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Notice this. He says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Emphasis on the last couple of words in that sentence, rightly dividing the word of truth. Uh, the, that's New King James. The Old King James says, study to show yourself approved. Here's what the Bible's trying to tell us. The Bible's trying to tell us that we need to study the word of God and know the word of God so that we can rightly divide it. Can I tell you why that's important? I watched a documentary the other night on cults that have popped up throughout the 90s and the 2000s. And does anybody remember um, around Y2K when the Hellsbop comet cult was so popular? And then after that, you had um, uh, the Branch Davidians, which were the David Koresh people out of Waco, and you had all of that stuff. And, and you know... The, the, the thing is, is that what they were saying, it sounded good. It sounded biblical. Man, these people thought these folks are on to something. But the problem is, they weren't rightly dividing the word. And that's what happens. How many of you know that the media, and I, I'm, I'm 
not trying to make a, a spectacle here of this, but I'm just making an example because it's real life. And on no matter what it is, whether it's Democrat, Republican, hospital, COVID, whatever, the media can take a soundbite of something and make it say something that the speaker did not mean for it to say. They do it all the time. They do it all the time. I mean, uh, you know, uh, for instance, I mean, I remember when President Trump said something, they soundbited it, and, and if you listen to the whole conversation, that wasn't even what the man meant to say. And the truth is the same when people take a little piece of Scripture here and a little piece of Scripture there, and boy, does it sound good, but the next thing you know, you're drinking the Kool-Aid. Come on. It's the truth. So you need to study the Word so that you can rightly divide the Word. So once you've read the Bible in a fashion to where you're understanding how God meant for it to be appropriated to that particular group of people, then you begin to understand when the Scripture says things and and says things in a certain way that the author was trying to portray that to a certain group of people. That's interesting. So, Let's look at a couple of these things. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. He says, the Word of God is um, it's in our text. All Scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. Let's stop right there. What is doctrine? Doctrine is a system or chain of beliefs. In other words, the Bible is a total revelation of God's Word and His character. But in order to establish doctrine, you can't just grab one verse. You have to take the totality of Scripture. And so, in other words, if you want to really have good doctrine on the love of God, then you've got to take the entirety of the New Testament to actually understand, okay, here's what the Bible says about love. Here's what it says about love over here. And you begin to weave those things together, the Word of God, interpreting the Word of God. And then all of a sudden, you have doctrine. That's why we have the doctrine of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. People say, well, why do you believe that tongues is the evidence of the, the initial physical evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Because that's part of our doctrine. Why? Because Jesus said, In Mark 16, uh, these signs will follow them that believe. In my name, they shall speak with new tongues. Uh, Well, okay, do you have another scripture? Yeah, Acts chapter 2, verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Began to speak with tongues. Okay, that's great. Do you have another scripture? Yes, Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 19. Paul found certain disciples passing through the upper coast of Ephesus. And he asked them, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believe? We've not even heard. Paul laid his hands on them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak with tongues. Then you've got Paul's letter to the church at Corinth about praying in the Spirit and speaking with unknown tongues. And so, yes, the reason why we believe that is because it is a doctrine that is consistent with the totality of Scripture. You see the doctrine of the Trinity in the Scripture. You see the doctrine of water baptism in the Scripture. Uh, Just on and on and on. And so to get our system of belief We don't just grab a bit here out of context and a bit here out of context. But no, what do we do? We take the totality of Scripture and we form doctrine. So, then he says, for reproof, 
Then he says correction. Reproof and correction are not the same word, but they are very similar. And basically, they just mean to kind of uh, to right a wrong or to correct some bad thinking. And so, you know what? Uh, if a person is living in sin and the, the Word of God says something, boom, it is conviction. Conviction. You know, if you're a, a person who steals... And you read the scripture about what it, the, the Bible says in James. Let him who stole steal no more. Uh, you can get convicted over that. So you know what? I'm not living my life the right kind of way. I need to line it up with the word of God. Or if you're uh, a, you know, a person who likes to drink all the time. And you're getting drunk. And you're doing those things. And you read the scripture. Paul said do not be drunk with wine. It's correction. See the word of God doesn't just encourage us. And that's the problem. So many people want this mamby-pamby, Mr. Rogers gospel, amen, that doesn't correct wrong. And people say, well, that's not loving. No, not loving is not telling people when they're headed for a cliff about to have a head-on collision. Uh, Loving people is speaking the truth in love. Paul loved the church at Corinth and had to tell a guy, look, you got to leave because you won't repent. He had to tell the church, a little leaven, leaven's a whole lump. This guy over here is sleeping with his, his stepmom. Yeah. Crazy, huh? But the type of love that you and I hear today is just this greasy, 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 greasy. But that's not the case. The Word of God brings correction and instruction in righteousness. We're about to come to a close instruction in righteousness. In other words, he doesn't want to just correct you, but he wants to tell you how to live. How to live as a Christian. How to live as a righteous man or woman in society. God wants to tell us how to walk upright with character in our finances, in our relationships, in our marriage, uh, in the world, in the church. Paul wrote, he says, I write this so that you might know how to conduct yourself in the house of God. I mean, the Bible's full of instruction. But not only that, number three, and I'm getting ready to close. Number three, not only should we read the word or study the word, but number three, this is important, we should memorize the word. We should memorize the word. I almost pulled up a video tonight, and I didn't find it in time. It's a little 45 to 50 second clip of the underground church in China um, who some years back were smuggled in some Bibles from some missionaries, and these people were presented a box of about 30 Bibles, there were about 100 people in this little room, and these people could not grab these Bibles fast enough. Many of them, it was the first time they had ever saw a copy of the Word of God in its entirety. You say, Pastor, how can that be? In, in China? I mean, you know, in such an advanced culture? Oh, you don't understand. In China, the government is God. In China, you don't get on Christian websites. You don't watch Christian videos on YouTube. You can't just pull up your favorite preacher. It's all blocked. The government has censored it in the nation of China. That's why we have Chinese missionaries from the Assemblies of God who come. We can't live stream it. They have to shut their social media down. They've got to go in completely undercover and as, as English teachers or something like that. You say, really? It's that bad? It's that bad. Which, by the way, that's why we have to stick up for our freedom in our nation. Because, I don't want to get out on that, on that trail, but that particular nation is continuing to buy up stuff in our land. 
So many of these people in the underground church in China, they didn't have a copy of the Bible by themselves, so you know what they did? This one over here had a couple chapters of John. This one over here had a couple chapters of Matthew. Maybe this one had the Beatitudes and the wilderness temptation. Maybe this one over here had, you know, the birth of Christ out of the Gospel of Luke. And so you know what they do in the underground church like that? When they don't have Bibles, they take what they have and they devour it and they memorize it. Because they know if it ever gets taken away that they, they won't be able to. To find it. I'm amazed at people. When I, when I was starting up little, they said, you need to memorize the books of the Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Roman, First, You know, anybody ever had to go through that? People today can't even find the Bible. You got to tell them where Genesis is. We got to memorize the Bible. Why it's important. I'm going to give you a couple of reasons. First one is this. Psalm 119, verse 11. This is David. He said, your word I have hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. You know, it's one thing to read God's Word and forget it. It's one thing to study it and find a nugget of truth. But when you internalize the Word of God and you put it in your heart and you hide it in that place, then guess what happens? When temptation comes, when circumstances come, you can pull it back out of the memory bank of your heart and the Holy Spirit can bring it back to your remembrance and you know what? You, 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 you might be tempted to do this or do that, but then the Word of God comes. And David said this. He said, I've hid it so that I might not sin against you. Memorizing the Word of God brings great strength against temptation. Here's the second and the last one. We should memorize the Word of God because it is a weapon that we use to fight the adversary. Luke chapter 3, Jesus is baptized in the river by John. The heavens open up. The Holy Spirit descends upon him like a dove, in the form of a dove. The Father says, this is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. The highlight of Jesus' ministry. He's publicly announced to the world. And then the very next passage says, and the Spirit of God led him into the wilderness. He went from Jerusalem out into the Judean wilderness to be tested for 40 days and 40 nights. The Bible says he fasted and he was hungry. So he didn't eat anything. In other words, Jesus didn't go on a Daniel fast. He didn't. He's really not a such thing. Uh, he had nothing but water for 40 days and 40 nights. And in that season, the enemy came in, said, come up to the pinnacle of the temple and look, and I'll show you the kingdoms of the world, and I'll give it all to you. Cast yourself down from here, for it is written, he will give his angels charge over you, and bear you up, bless you, dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And then... Jesus is hungry, right? He's coming off a 40-day fast. The devil says, you're the son of God. You hungry? Fed the 5,000 with the loaves and fishes? Turn his stone into bread. What did Jesus say? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. 
You know what the scripture says? Luke chapter 4. And the enemy left him for a season. Cyclic testing. And angels came to minister to him. But you know how he fought the devil? With the word. How did he do that? Because he was God. Yes, he was God. But you know, the, the test and temptation, Scripture's plain that what he walked through, he walked through laying aside, though he never ceased. You and I can't understand it up here. But he never ceased to be God, but he laid down his divinity. He was anointed by the Holy Spirit. And everything he walked through, listen, it would not been, have been fair for Jesus to go to the cross with an advantage. In other words, he didn't have superpowers in the sense of, yes, he was God, and I'm not trying to be blasphemous or unholy, but what I'm trying to say is he didn't have some advantage to saying no to sin that you and I don't have. He did it as a man, suffered as a man, lived as a man, and so guess what? He had to fight as a man, and he did that with the Word of God. And you can close your Bible tonight. I want to give you this one last scripture, and I don't have it written down, but it's in the Old Testament in the book of, hey, God, scripture says this. He says, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. And I wonder how many battles we lose in our life simply because we don't have the Word of God in our arsenal to fight it. So everybody say, you need to read it. You need to study it. And you need to memorize it. That's a pretty good goal for the new year, don't you say? Now, I don't care if you do it on a Bible app or if you just do it old-fashioned. Just open your Bible and you start reading. But I would strongly encourage you, read it in its context. In other words, don't just jump off to the middle of the book of Revelation. It'll confuse the devil out of you. In fact, you probably should read Daniel first before you read Revelation. But at least start at chapter 1. <laughs> Go to John chapter 1, read it, get the picture, and then once you get the grasp of it, start digging and start finding. Okay, you know, there's a major theme of Jesus being the Word in the Gospel of John. Now let's go see what Colossians says about it. Let's go see what Paul said about it to the church of Galatia. Then you can start studying, and then you can put all this together, and you can say, you know what? We're going to rightly divide the word of truth. And you know why this is important? Stand up with me. It's important to do this because whether it's me or somebody on TV or some other person comes to you and presents some goofy thing to you, listen, if you know the word, you have a defense against deception. Yeah. Paul told the Bereans, he said, don't you take what I say for face value. You go and study it and see if what I'm telling you is the Word of God. When Paul would preach the law to them, he said, go back and check it out. That's what we have to do, amen? So study the Word. Say, man, I, I heard Pastor Brad say this on Sunday. Is that right? And listen, I, I'm not, I don't always get, sometimes I get tongue-tied or whatever, and that's okay. Go study it. Go study it and say, is that what the Word of God says? And then you know in yourself. Amen. Let's pray tonight.